We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. And it is, what, week five or six of self-quarantine? We are losing count right now. So, as always, that means that we are limited in the realm of combat sports. So, we've been bringing you guys this, like, miscellaneous podcast once a week where we get to talk dope stuff like hip-hop ig live battles which we'll get to here in a second uh we get to talk cool stuff we're watching on netflix tv shows um just normal random craziness that goes on every day on twitter so on and so forth so these are becoming some of our favorite shows because we get to blend everything and of course we still bring a little bit of boxing mma pro wrestling if it calls for it during these shows but it's great that you guys are tuning in and listening to these as we you know are all together getting through this this period of time so dre it's nice being back here it's crazy i was rushing back to the crib i just went and uh, stocked up on some groceries the kids are here now so i had to get a you know a couple more things for dinner i'm teaching them how to cook certain types of dishes so i ran to the supermarket came back on my way there though i live on capitol avenue so the capitol building is my neighbor i it took me a good five ten extra minutes 
because I saw one of those crazy open Connecticut protesting just groups randomly storming the streets in front of my crib. It had to be five, six hundred people. It's just as stupid as it is on Twitter. It's crazy. Like, but it's one of those things where like, yo, this shit is happening. I saw it in person. Yeah. It's wild. They they have Trump 2020 flags. They have banners. It's it's all white people. I tried to count the minorities as like cars rode by and people walked by. Zero minorities in this group. No, black people um, that's stupid. No, no, you would think. I mean, it, I guess Florida black people are a different breed. Let's just put them in their own category. Yes, Northerners and normal black people, no, we're not going to be out there. But it's crazy. No masks, no nothing, waving flags around, yelling to open up the state. I'm thinking to myself, if you can drive around and honking your horns crazy down the street, waving flags, what is exactly closed then? Like, what are you missing if you can still do this dumb shit? They want to, duh, they want to work. You know, like, all right, first and foremost, Thanos wasn't wrong. And the Avengers <laughs> just wasn't. Maybe it was right. Baby face Thanos. Get rid of half the population. And then you'd be like, all right, cool. Like, there's going to be some collateral damage here. But if it took away the right ones, I think we'd be all right. Because some people are just dumb. Second of all. Dumb as the day is long. They, this is like the South Park episode where they were like, they took our jobs. This is what's happening right now. Like, these people want to work. But what you really should be uh, protesting for is a better stimulus package so you can survive. Because there's there's a couple things wrong with this. Like, for one, you want to go back to work, maybe because you're bored or you feel like you need money. But who is patronizing your business at this moment? Especially if you're like a small business, like a small restaurant or it's like a small business. Nobody's running out to your stores to patronize your business. So I don't know why you're in such a hurry to go back to work. You should be protesting the government not giving you enough money to survive, not working. Like this, is a, like I've seen people say, "I need to get back to work." Why? Why are you in such why? a hurry to get back to work? If you if you were getting paid to get back to work, why? And th- and there's a reason behind this. Like they opened up the beaches in Florida, which was ridiculous, and then people already got coronavirus from Florida that went to the beaches. <laughs> like a lesson should be learned here. I don't understand the the rush for people to want to go back to work amidst a pandemic. Do you not understand what's at stake here? I guess not. So you little you know, $8, not. $9 an hour job cuz trust me. These aren't like corporate America people that are protesting. These are people that work at like Walmart, Home Depot, Lowe's, um the bar, which is cool, but why it's not that serious. You're protesting it's the not, wrong unless things. like rent is due, and you're you're worried about like getting kicked out. Okay, again, like you said, protests for them to give you more money. Come on, like man. other countries are giving people livable wages during this time. This is ridiculous. I can't stand it. People. It's it's crazy, and just walking out into it. And again, I saw like. Got some of the people in the cars as I was driving down block because the cars were closing down the street. People just driving, hitting U-turns, driving back and forth down Capitol Avenue, creating a ruckus. Cops just sitting there looking at them like, fuck it, they do what they want. Um, it was a bunch of black people. That shit would have never went down, but whatever. So I'm watching them drive up and down. They're flipping the bird to some people who are like, get the hell out of here. They're flipping the bird. Uh, you know, people who are kind of like anti-Trump are 
also standing down the block a little ways. I'm thinking beef is about to pop off. It's just a wild scenario. And I like look at Elena. I was like, yo, this is probably and just looking at the type of people they were and you know, it, the MAGA crowd is real. Like, I, I've never been in the midst of a MAGA crowd. Like, why the fuck would I, right? It, but I've seen the documentaries. I see shit on TV. But, like, driving and going through it, and I'm trying to tell people, like, there's guys filming on the side. Like, look at these idiots. I'm like, yo, I hope I don't end up on Twitter because I'm not with these guys. I'm just trying to go to supermarket. So, uh, but I was looking at it. I, like, look over and tell Lane. I was like, yo, this is probably the closest I'll get ever in my life to like a clan rally like it was just bizarre like if you replace the flags with torches there's no difference like they were wilding and and just allowed to do so yeah i don't i don't dog again i don't know what they want look look i consider myself uh i guess you could call it blessed whatever i'm working i'm fine i'm not worried about money like that like I'm good. I'm straight. This is no big issue for me. I get that this is harder for other individuals, like to be indoors, to not work, and you maybe need more money. But again, to run out there and and, and then the worst part about it is this was funny because a while I remember a few years ago when Trump got elected, people were like, "Oh, the presidential election, you know, it's it's all smoke and mirrors, and it doesn't really affect you directly." This is affecting us directly because Trump is on Twitter talking about liberate Minnesota. Like, what? What? Liberate? Yeah. First of all, sit your ass down because you don't, like, as the president, you don't even understand how state politics work. He gets surprised when he gets told he can't do things in certain states. Like, I can't. But this is the fool that got elected. But the fact that he's fanning the flames for this is like, man, it's it's wild. It's wild. but, But this is why I keep telling people also that. Don't be surprised when Trump gets reelected because these people, no matter how stupid all this stuff sounds to you, there is a whole ton of people who agree with this shit. There's a hundreds in front of my crib right now. And, and they're the <laughs> ones that go and they go vote. They'll be at the polls in the midst of a pandemic, standing in yep. line, getting sick to make sure this fool gets back in office. It's crazy. Yes, they will. They'll give a fuck. Obviously, they're outside right now. They'll definitely be outside in November. They don't give a fuck. Absolutely. It, it, yo, it was wild just going through that. So I, I've braved that storm, got my groceries, came back home just in time to record this podcast. And I was like, yo, I was like, all right, I made it. And then I looked through our rundown. I was like, oh, what do we have to talk about today? And after all that ruckus outside, let's put a smile on my face, Dre, because we're opening up the show talking about the baby face Teddy Riley battle that was versus technology technology (laughs) baby old people versus technology is the best shit and first off i say old people babyface is not qualified when i say that he's 62 he looks 24 yeah and he gives no fucks his his audio was crisp that's all he cared about yeah and he was unbothered teddy riley on the other hand decided to come with a full band like he was the roots crew during a pandemic, didn't give a fuck. Had 18 people in the room. He had a hype man next to him who didn't play any instruments. The man was just there to dance and, and co-sign him, I guess. He had a mic. Like, he was from the 1980s. It was a very just pristine microphone. He had a television behind him that, out of, out of everything, people were very upset at this TV. Because it was just spinning one vinyl over and over. 
People hated the TV. And then he had his own stream going. He had a DJ along with all of this. It was the biggest production. And it looked dope for like two seconds until that audio kicked in. And he could not figure out how to get rid of this just doubling of his sound. The echo was insane. And the comment section from there on, I am I crazy? And listen, I love both of their music. And these battles have been fun. I think this led to something better than any battle between the two could have done. I mean, this was a different degree of entertainment. Look, man, I was <laughs> I was crazy excited about this. I had talked to people at record label. I was like, "Yo, I can't wait! Like, this is gonna be <laughs> this is gonna be incredible, right?" And like, I text a few people, and I think when everything was, everybody was loading up, and I saw what Teddy Riley was doing, I text Fonte because. Me and Fonte have an appreciation for this. There's like a crazy storm going outside my house right now. What is going on? But I text Fonte and I was like, do you see this? And he's like, he texts me, he says, Teddy Riley is about to ruin everything. He's about to take all the fun out of the battle. Because the only instrument that he needed to play, according to Fonte, was the space bar. And instead, Teddy Riley brought the band, the the drummer, the, the, the hype man, and then you go to Babyface, who's gone on like silk pajamas, sunglasses, a glass of wine, and a keyboard. And, That's it. Yo, the shenanigans that took place from there, because, listen, by the time you guys hear this, the rematch will have happened, maybe. I don't know, because really, it's like right before the rematch is supposed Who to happen. No, we're going to recap the whole thing by yeah. next time's episode, but we had to talk about this. We had to talk about this, but the fact that Babyface just, it, this all was beneath him. Like, this entire thing was beneath him. And, like, Teddy was, like, out of the sound, this, putting his hands on it. Like, it was so meme-worthy. And Babyface like, it's, it's not my sound. Like, or he go, oh, Teddy, that's cute. Like, basically, his whole thing was, <laughs> it was Prince levels of shade. And I was like, oh. I hope this train wreck happens again so we can catapult Babyface into another echelon of stardom. Because it went from Prince being a great musician to Prince being the king of shade. Babyface is on his way there. The unbothered shade, like, he was unbothered social distancing. While Teddy Riley was the beaches of Florida in the midst of a pandemic. Like, he just had tons of people around. Yo, and if you haven't already, go to Spice Adams' Twitter page. And the video that he posted of the recap of this is, the, he just, re, I, I don't know how he did it in less than 24 hours. And it was amazing because it's the reverbs <laughs> there, the ringtones is there, the guys, people talking in the background is there, the camera angles is there, the dude that pops up is like, I'm reading the comments, I don't see it. Like, it's all there, and he does this production in such a short amount of time. This was spectacular. This was a spectacular disaster. The fact that Teddy Riley put his hands on his hips, looking around, like, where are my goddamn keys at? Like, that's how he looked. Where the, where the fuck they put my keys at? He, dog. I love Teddy, but it was clear that Teddy had way more time on it for this than Babyface did. Babyface did not put that much thought into this. No, Babyface was like, yo, 20 tracks. I'm chilling. What looks like not even a studio. He's like, yo, I'm just bringing the keyboard to my bedroom. Let's get this done. Try to take a nap. Yeah, I'm going home. <laughs> he didn't care at all. And I loved it. And the memes that came from it were as good as the shenanigans that happened during the stream oh man somebody yo listen tyrese and throwing the tile oh my god yo tyrese can't get right that's <laughs> like at this point yo tyrese he just is what he is throwing the tile i i saw someone change the meme 
of uh oh shit what was that the rocky meme it's like throw in the towel they turned that shit to throw in the tile i lost it lost it and then the memes of teddy riley just looking back oh god it's, it's someone's like when you go into a room and you forgot what you were trying to get from there yes. i was like yo that's me that is me. <laughs> this, I mean, this was Yo, everything. She was this was so good. Dog, this was everything. Like, I, the day after, I, I just was texting people. I was just like, did you see this? Like, this was, in a way, this was like the best thing that could happen. Because it was so yeah. ridiculous that it was just like, I can't believe this happened. And listen, man. Ba- like, you know, Teddy Riley started off. He played the show like twice. I was like, I just can't believe this. I can't believe what I'm watching. Like, and people were, you know, I had people that asked me about doing play-by-play during this. Like, this was, like, becoming a thing. And I was like, you know what? what? I'm going to do this. But then I was just like, this is so fucking ridiculous. This is the most ridiculous <laughs> thing I've ever seen. And, it, and, like, this is why we don't need a ton of these. And they should only be reserved for certain people. This was that moment where you realize, like, oh, old people versus technology. It just don't really go together. And, Teddy, man, you battling to be relevant again, clearly. And is that look, look, man? I love Teddy Riley's music, but he was really trying to win this battle, where Babyface was just like, "Oh yeah, I got some jams." F yo hip hop. I'm gonna play this silky spoon shit. And then we were like, "Oh, Babyface!" And Teddy Riley's like, "Cue up the band. Get the drummer. Is my mic loud enough?" Like Jesus Christ, man. Just play music. Just push buttons. Is it that hard? <laughs> I think it is. Like for this. For Teddy Ryan, we're going to see, you know, the second part of Battle, and by now we would have all seen it. But I think he needed the shenanigans because they played three songs each, maybe two and a half, and I think he was getting washed already. <laughs> it was getting ugly quick. <laughs> <laughs> for, for what you thought the primo battle was, that's this battle. It yeah. was getting ugly. Yeah, this was rough. It was rough, man. Yeah, was- he went to like he went to Bobby Brown a lot. The baby face had some joints. I was like, oh, it's getting ugly. I mean, you know, I don't know how well he thought this out because, yeah, baby face was playing the, you know, the Bobby Brown stuff. And obviously, like, there's a lot of songs that Teddy can pull out, right? And hopefully by the time he plays Remember the Time, Michael Jackson, that should be like his coup de grace. Because anybody that's produced for Michael Jackson should be out there and put that out there in the battles. I don't know when he's going to play it, but he has to play it. But it was just like, dog, I don't. And then there's like a video of the entire production that he had. Like he had a like it was a TV show. All right, it takes away the and just like Fonte said, it is taking the fun out of the battle. Sometimes you're just doing too much. So that shit had me in tears, yo. We'll recap the whole second battle. Um, listen, four hundred thousand people tuned into the first one. This has to get more than four hundred thousand. I don't know. I think just some could, people might have gave up after the first one, man. I don't know how many people are actually going to come this, back. There's more young kids now that didn't know who the hell either of these guys are, but now they know the memes. <laughs> right? Like, there's some people, and we'll get to this later in the show because a big portion of the show, we're going to talk about that um, Bulls documentary. But believe it or not, there's some kids born in the 90s, born in the 2000s, 2000s especially, that only knew Michael Jordan as the cry face meme. That's, and that's amazing. And didn't know who he was. That's amazing. I coach players, high school football players that did not know. And they're playing football. And they're like, oh, Jordan. Yeah, the Jordan Cryface meme. That was their first words out of their mouth. Not greatest basketball of all time. Or That's not, or, time. Or not uh, the, the sneakers that I'm wearing right now. Like the Yeah, not even that. <laughs> not even the sneakers. It, it might go Cryface meme, sneakers, basketball career. 
unbelievable. But Incredible. So there's people who have no clue who Babyface is. I, I damn sure know there's a whole generation of kids that have never heard of LaFace. Yikes. My daughter told me she didn't know. I was like, yo, listen, we're changing this. Yeah, you got to fix it. You're going to listen to Battle tonight. I feel like an inept parent when she told me this. I was like, what the hell have I been doing with my life during your <laughs> life that I didn't teach you about this? She she going to learn today. Indeed. But, yeah, so that that was crazy, man. I expect that to do crazy numbers tonight. Hopefully, the sound is good. By the time you guys have listened to this, we would have known. Maybe it's a shit show. We come back and talk about another firestorm when uh, we return for Thursday's show. Now, the other thing I want to talk about before we hit up you know, our talk on The Last Dance documentary is Black AF. So, it's funny. I woke up this morning, and we were talking about this in our group chat yesterday. I woke up this morning. I called my moms because I was like, all right, cool. Ma, the kids are here. My mom says hi to the kids. I take the phone back. The first thing she says to me, not, hey, Cal, how are you doing? Son, do you need anything? Son, how have you been? She says, hey, has Andreas watched Black AF? Because I want to know what he thinks about it. <laughs> I was like, Mom, I don't fucking know what he thinks about it. I was like, we could, we could talk about it on the podcast. But she was like, I want to know what he thinks about it. I was like, great. You don't want my opinion on it? Maybe I watch the show. So... My mom is fully Team Andreas. I felt like I had to share that. But now, <laughs> now that it's on the subject, I can't get into it, man. I can't do it. I, I've tried to go back twice. I've gotten through two and a half episodes. It's, it's not funny to me. Well, and I know you've watched it. Yeah. What do you think about it? I enjoy it a lot. Is it my favorite show of all time? No. No. <laughs> I have. I, I got to get deeper into it then. How many episodes have you watched? Two. Okay. Two and a quarter. Do you watch Blackish? I do. Blackish is hilarious. Okay. Do you watch Mixed Dish or Grownish? No, I'm trying. I'm going to watch Grownish because my daughter is like a huge fan of it. Okay. She says it's really good. And I like a different world and I feel like it's a comparison. Well, okay. So I'll start off with this. So I'm a big fan of Kenya Barris. Um, I really enjoy Blackish uh, for what it brings to the table. I enjoy Mixed Dish. I enjoy Grownish, and I enjoy Black Black AF. Black as fuck. Um, I have I've taken a major issue, and and this this will circle all back into Black as fuck in a second. But there has been like this brain trust of Black folks on social media. Who seem to get outraged? Who who go out of their way to be outraged about certain things? Um, I remember when the trailer with Mixed Dish came out, and everybody was shitting all over it, and yeah. you know, and I was like, didn't even see a single fucking episode. I took issue with that. Um, I take issue with people shitting all over Jamel Hill. Like people are like, this is a thing, and I had to show people like it's become this thing, where black people have gone out of their way to call her corny and all these other things. But what? but just not too long ago, you were a big fan. Yeah, there's so it's like this outcry. This like Lena Waithe, you know, she made Queen and Slim. People were shitting all over before they even seen the movie. And granted, I seen the movie. It's okay. It's not phenomenal. The movie was cool. No, I got through it though. It wasn't bad. No, it's not a bad movie. But there's there's this like new outrage, this outpouring. Like they call it performative blackness. That's that's been the term that's been used on them. They're like, oh, they're, they're putting blackness up up front, but it's not really black. And it's like performance art for white people. 
all right, whatever. It's not really that, but okay. it, it is what it is. So now with Black as Fuck, like, people got upset. As soon as they saw the trailer, they were upset. Why is Rashida Jones' mother? Where are all the dark-skinned representation? Look, it's, that, That's the funniest part, because people did not know she was black. No. Like, a good amount of people. And, no and this is what I said. Like, a simple Google search will give you the answer to a lot of these things. One, Blackish is based on Kenya Barris' life, his family. Rainbow is really his wife, who he's actually getting divorced from. But Rainbow and Blackish, his wife's real name is Rainbow. And she is a lawyer in real life. No, she's like Dr. Lawyer. She's one of the two. But it's based off I think of that. She might really be a doctor. Yeah, she's one of the two in real life. So the story yeah. is Blackish is based on, like Lucy based on him. Black as fuck is based on his family, which he has six kids with one woman, but it's also kind of a uh, a parody of his own life because it's his life after Blackish or during Blackish. Like he references it in the show. He doesn't call himself Kenya Barris, but his name is Kenya. So it's a show about him. So when people say there's not enough dark skin representation, he's not dark skin. So what do you want him to do? So if <laughs> like if he put is his wife dark skin? No, like is Rainbow his, really Rainbow no, right? is really light skin like <laughs> Rainbow on Blackish, yeah. like you know like Tracy Ellis Ross. They like the same tone. So Rashida Jones is about she might be a little bit lighter, but she's light skin, and his kids. Are light skin, and not, not even light skin. They're brown. They're not dark. And so, so you mean to tell me you're upset because you want dark representation? Where? That's like me. Like I'm not dark. My daughter's not dark. My wife is not dark. Does that mean I don't like dark skin people? No. That's just how my child came out. My wife yeah. is brown. She's not black. She's not dark skin. So if I did a show about my life, and I put a chocolate kid that looked like Tay Diggs on the screen. Y'all be like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, we've seen your kid. Yes, your kid ain't that's not your kid. Dark. That's not how this looks. So that that was my first issue. That, that, the second issue was the second issue was this. Like before we even talk about the show itself, people are upset because they're like, this is not blackness, and I have a huge problem with that because just Oof. just because it's not your black story doesn't mean these black stories exist. Because for quite a while. We are like the black story has been relegated to black trauma and yeah. like peril and doom and gloom and like misery, chaos, sadness. Like a vast majority of black television and movies were relegated to that. Now we're getting told different stories about the black experience because people are like I don't I can't relate to that. So like, listen, yep. can you really relate to Seinfeld? Can you really relate to Friends? Can you really relate to Fresh Prince? Can you really relate to like I feel seen. I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, I love Seinfeld, but I don't live in New York. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't have a neighbor that busts through my door every day. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm not a comedian. However, the jokes on that show I can relate to because there's a lot of yep. humor in real life situations, which what what Seinfeld was all about. Like, like yep. it's about the show, and it's about our stories being told from a different spectrum. Like all of us aren't poor because if the the show was dark skinned people being poor, it'd be called stereotype as fuck. And you'd be mad about that. Yeah. And by the way, that might be on the horizon. You never know. <laughs> you never know. So I, I, I've taken a big issue with people shitting on the show. Because for me, the easiest thing you can do is turn the fucking thing off and watch another black show. Because guess what? As of right now, there is a plethora of black television for you to watch. Not like white television, but there is just enough where you can say, I don't mess with that. I'm going to turn on this. The, yeah. And therein lies my issue with this this ridiculous outrage 
over the show. Like, what are you mad about? Okay, the show itself. I enjoy the show. However, it took me about three episodes until the show actually really hits its stride. And it's actually really the fifth episode where the show establishes a certain narrative that separates it from Blackish. So I say that to you to say, stick with it. Because, okay. look, those first few episodes, for me, it was the um, the poor man's version of Curb Your Enthusiasm, what Curb Your Enthusiasm was to Seinfeld, for me, initially. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what my mom told me. She was like, yo, they're trying to be Curb Your Enthusiasm, but he's no Larry David. Right. And so, I was like, that's true. So <laughs> I was like, that's yeah. exactly it. That, and as I'm watching, like, me and my wife watching, and as we're watching it, like, I'm saying the same thing to my wife. I was like, look, I don't hate it, but it's all right. It's cool, but I... I just I just feel like this is blackish all over again just with some curse words. Then it hit, there's a episode five hits and I, I and me and my wife had like an hour conversation after episode five ended because it's very specific. If anybody saw, saw a post that I did on Twitter the other day because I reference it references well it, the show doesn't reference it but it's like it parallels something that I tweeted back in 2018 when Black Panther came out. I actually wrote a column for the Root about whether Black Panther was be, being graded by white critics on a curve. And I wrote like this the big piece on it. I got a ton of traction, a lot of comments. I got a lot of hate for it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and I felt seen when I watched that episode because that episode hits that very hard. And it, it, it's a very good episode. That set, it takes itself away from the black-ish stigma and it gives it its own narrative. And I think the other thing is like... If anybody saw The Office when it first came out, The Office took a good mm-hmm. three to four episodes for it really got going. Yeah, half that season. Because the well, first... they copied the British season. Exactly. Like the first episode copied the, copied the British show beat for beat. It was all right. Yeah. And then like the third episode, I was like, eh. And then all of a sudden, it figures itself out, and then it takes off. The acting gets better. Like everything gets better. The comedy hits home. Black Black as fuck does the same thing. A lot of shows do this. I tell people this like Breaking Bad. You've watched the first couple of episodes, like, yeah, all right. And then once you, it hits a certain episode, these things start to come together. You're like, oh, word. It was the same thing with Game of Thrones. A lot of people watch two episodes of Game of Thrones, like, this ain't for me. And then that's, yeah. that one episode hits, and everybody knows what episode we're talking about that's watched the show in season one. And you go, oh, I'm in. So it, black as fuck, like, I don't care if people don't like it. That's cool. You don't have to like everything black. We should. Everything black, I, we should root for it. I want to see everyone black win, but everything's not for me. Tyler Perry, not for me. I don't want it to not exist. It's just not for me. I watch those shows, and I'm just like, eh. And two reasons. One, because it's like the same stories over and over and over again. Two, because Tyler Perry's a terrible TV and filmmaker, in my opinion. <laughs> I just think he's the acting, his, his, his direction is terrible, in my opinion. Other people love it. Like my family, not my family, my wife's family, they love that shit. And <laughs> I love that you cur- like my wife's family loves that shit. Well, yeah. I mean, because my family's just they're different. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. My family's different, but my wife's family. If your pops loved Tyler Perry, though, I would be shocked. Shit, I would be shocked. <laughs> I, if my if my if my pops listen, guys, my pops is not. He is he is the rock. That's my dad. Like he is ra- as racially ambiguous as you can get, and he he's not black unless it's cool. Other than that, nope. You don't really watch black things, nothing. So yeah, he he's not into that. But yes, uh, Kelly, you can say your piece about it. It's just ultimately like don't write things off. We never had this much black. T- it, oh, I'm sorry. There's a couple of threads that people were talking about. 
this isn't black television. This is black television. And I saw like five people refer to the Parkers as good black television. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Just because they're dark skinned? Yeah, because they were like, this is this is our representation. These shows happen to be good. And they were like, they referenced all these UPN shows, right? And Moesha was cool. I liked Girlfriends after I started watching with my wife. I was like, oh, this is actually really good. Moesha was cool. The Parkers wasn't good. Um, Bernie Mac show, which wasn't on UPN. Bernie Mac show was amazing. Everybody Hates Chris, really great. Those are good shows. But it's like, come on, man. The Parkers, you're reaching. You're really reaching no, when you talk Parker's about the Parkers. Parkers is an ultimate reach. No, it's not only even the ultimate reach. It's like so much, in my opinion, a lot of shucking and jiving that happens in that show as well with the characters. I just, uh, to to say that's a great black show, it's like, man, y'all, y'all need to watch more TV or something. So I didn't think, I don't think Black as Fuck is, is bad at all. And I think it actually gets good. Like I thought it was average, and then it got good for the, the final three episodes. If it takes the final three episodes, that's that's challenging. It's only eight episodes um, in the season. Yeah, I know that's that's rough. So usually you would have to grab someone before then, but but I'm a I'm a tough through it because we're in quarantine. So I'm gonna <laughs> put in the time and see what it's about. But the things that stood out to me for this show and my limited viewing experience of it is. One, I actually like the casting of Rashida Jones. I think she just, I think she's the funniest part so far of the show. So I, I think she's cool. Um, it does kind of have that, it's weird, there's cursing, but it kind of has that Cosby-ish feel where it is like, yeah, okay, you guys are rich. Like it opens up at brunch and then he has a Lambo and all that. Like, okay, people don't expect you to be rich. I, I get it. Like, is this going to be the narrative the whole time? That you're, like, the un- misunderstood rich black man? So, I, d- I don't know. I thought that was weird. Um, the kids curse a lot. Which I don't know if that's real or not. Like, is that... If it's based off his life, that to me, that's weird, too. Because, I, I don't know. I don't curse in front of my parents like that. Maybe. By mistake. My mom listens to his podcast. So she'll hear some shit, but I'm not, like, cursing up a storm in front of her. Like, that gets kind of weird. I, I don't know. It's just there is something off so far about it. And then I watched my two and a half episodes, and I'm just not sure this name fits. Is it necessary? Like, because a lot of people just didn't like it off rip because of the name. Like, it could be a light-skinned family, which is still stupid regardless. <laughs> Because a light-skinned family can be black as fuck. But people just equated it and was like, oh, it's black as fuck. But uh, it's a bunch of light-skinned people. And that's, I think, what triggered a lot of the, where's the, you know, dark-skinned representation? Where's this? Where's that? It it made people think something very specific. Which might be just a problem with our culture. Like, what is black as fuck? Why do we have this ideal of, you know, like you said, being poor and dark-skinned is automatically black as fuck? Or ghetto. Like, you got to be ghetto to be black as fuck. So, in, in regards, this is black as fuck. It's a bunch of black people doing shit. So, it's black as fuck. There's, like, two white people on the whole show, I think. So, yeah. it, it is black as fuck. But I, I just don't know why the name was necessary. Okay. Like, could it have just been something else? I, I don't get it. So. So, I it, it could have went differently. So, okay, so I'll start with the, the name. I think, the, in my opinion, the name 
was a mistake because the name is an attempt at being very meta which is the question about the show is what i think the the overarching question is what is black as fuck because yeah. the entire struggle you know not to give away the entire season but is you seeing that kenya is he's trying to maintain his self of, of racial identity while moving away from what it is supposed to be black so it's like as he's you know he is a rich black man in hollywood who isn't a ball player or rapper or even an actor he's a show writer he's a showrunner so but in that like this this relates like kind of to my family like i'm not as rich as him clearly but my nephew and my niece don't have to deal with race like i did when i was a kid because I was poor, and I mean, I came from, you know, my grandmother was white. It was, I had a completely different ball game growing up. <laughs> but my niece and nephew, like, racist is like the first thing their minds, like, they don't even necessarily, like, my daughter's really not going to get it. Like, I got a, I got a pretty nice-sized house, right? And all the things that come with what is supposed to be stereotypically black are not true for me. That does not mean I'm any less black than the next person. That does not mean my qualities are any different. But there comes a time, and I say this because of where I'm at in my career, where I'm the only black person in the room. A lot. With the zone. Like, with a lot of things that I've done. I'm the only black person in the room. And you try to figure out whether you are pandering, whether you are too prideful, whether you're offending people, like, whether you need to code switch. And I think this show is identifying that struggle for somebody like Kenya Barrett. Like, he's making a black show for white executives. And people say this. He's making a black show for white people. He's not making it for white people, but he has to recognize that his audience is going to be white because there are a ton of television viewers out there that are white. So yeah. when he talks about, like, slave, like it's an ongoing joke. Like every episode is about he blames it on slavery, right? Because that is the prerogatory, the, the, the performative, like, this is what we blame everything on as black people. Slavery. Well, it's not always true. And it becomes the butt of a lot of, a jo- a lot of the jokes on the show. But I think ultimately, like, the name was going to draw the ire of a lot of people as soon as they saw light-skinned people. Because you can't expect people to be on your, not even your level, because it doesn't mean that they're any stupider, but any dumber or anything like that. But you can't expect people to understand what you're trying to do when you put something that can be inflammatory in your title. Because you have yeah. blackish, you have mixedish, and people look at black like as fuck is like, ah, he's continuing to make the same show over and over again with the same titles. I probably wouldn't have called that. I get what he's doing though. I just I see where it causes a problem, and I can appreciate people that was like, man, he probably shouldn't have called it that. But like you said, it's like it, the being what is being black as fuck in, in 2020. Like, what does that even mean? Especially if you have a little bit of money, or you live in a different neighborhood, or you grow up around a different group of people. Like, I was a kid that grew up, you know what I'm saying? And I was growing up with a white grandmother, but loving hip-hop culture. But then, I, you know, I listened to rock bands and all that shit. Like, before there was social media, there was no way to figure out who identified with the things that you liked as a black person. So it was like, you either had to be extremely black, or you had to go hang out with the white kids. Like, when my friends yeah. came over and they saw I was, like, playing chess and shit, they were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I thought it was crazy, because <laughs> I was like, like, pro wrestling, chess... Um, baseball, like I love baseball. It's like white boy sport. Is it really? Is it? But it, it, it's like, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to be black? And especially in 2020, what does it mean? Because we're no longer like the butt of everybody's jokes. 
And here's another thing. When you talk about like light skin, man, I would hate to see social media when Malcolm X was around. Because Malcolm X was light as a motherfucker and the blackest dude around. Yeah. But that, your skin color, like, your race and your heritage is one thing. But I can't control how light skin or dark I am because my hair is still a certain way. My features are still a certain way. That's who I am. Who are you to tell me I'm not black enough because I'm not darker than you? It's crazy talk. So I think this show d- does a lot to like put the uh, the mirror up to society and show you how a man is trying to deal with his blackness and raise a family of kids who are clearly fucking privileged. They're, they're, those kids are privileged as hell. The cursing part, my wife was like, if Kennedy ever curses at me like that, I'm going to punch you in the face. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's real. I'm like, yo, my kids would never. Yeah. It just, it probably wouldn't happen. But I guess that's his experience. Like, he's writing based off of experience. Now, his wealth is important to the narrative as it plays out, as the season goes along. This, his acting out to try to maintain his racial identity becomes an issue. And I think it became an issue in his real life. And the show kind of, you can see where it's heading. I'm kind of excited to see the second season because I like how the first season ended. But, um, yeah, man, again, ultimately, it's just like, if it ain't your cup of tea, that's cool. I'm, I'm not saying, like, this isn't like The Wire, when you don't like The Wire. And what the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, this, this is not that kind of show. This is a show where I'm just like, okay, if you don't like it, that's cool. I'm not going to beat you over your head and tell you to like it. Because I can get why people don't like it. All humor doesn't work, especially in comedy, right? Yeah, comedy is so subjective. Yeah, like some things just aren't funny to certain people. And some things don't make sense. Like, I know a lot of people who don't think Seinfeld is funny. Which is insane, because then they watch Kirby Enthusiasm <laughs> say it's hilarious. And I'm like, it's the same fucking humor. Except with more curse words. But, alright. Cool. <laughs> nah, I agree, man. Um, let's take a quick break, because then we're going to get to a TV show that I feel like was universally accepted. And that is The Last Dance documentary on ESPN. So, uh... Hopefully everyone allows me to ESPN it up a little bit on this podcast. And I'm going to be a homer. And we have a couple of conversations based off of stuff that aired on ESPN this weekend. So you guys stay right there. We'll be right back after this break. All right, everyone. We'll get back to the show in a second. But just to let you know, with no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join the day and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. What up, everybody? We are back from the break. We're going to talk Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls, the last dance. So, of course, time for me to crack open a claw and get ready. If you guys don't remember... And I decided I was going to let this go, but you know what? We're all friends here. You guys have been listeners to the podcast for a while, hopefully. If you guys uh, just recently tuned in, you know, shit happens on this show. Early on, early days, way, 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 way back then, 
I'd say five years ago. It might have been episode four or five. The old man Andreas, when he was less of an old man and had no grays in his beard, and 26-year-old me, sat down and had a conversation. This conversation consisted of LeBron versus Michael Jordan. Now, before you jump off the building, I did not say that LeBron was better than Michael Jordan, even though a lot of people are still saying that to this day, which we'll talk about. I said Michael Jordan was of average athleticism if put in today's NBA game. <laughs> Dude, don't, don't laugh. I said it. Watching this documentary, I would publicly like to say I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, which, which is stupid because my argument in that was also that he is of equal athleticism to Kobe Bryant, which he's more athletic than Kobe. But Kobe was wildly athletic. Yeah. He just decided not to use it towards the end. And I maintain that Jordan used less of his athleticism as the time went on, but you should. And I feel like this documentary is about to explain all of that. The teasers for episode three or four, where he goes against the bad boy Pistons and puts on more muscle mass because they're beating the shit out of him, leans towards being a little less athletic than he was. But then what he was when we saw episodes one and two when he was drafted out in North Carolina and his early years in the league where this motherfucker is just next level athletic and yes I was of the opinion like look who he's going against I think I actually said that yes some people were as athletic as your mailman but other people were of above average athleticism and they still weren't on Jordan's level so I will have to take that back Drake five years this is growth sir I'm admitting and maybe that hot take wasn't on point. Good. It's, it's always good to hear you just humbly accept that one because, yeah, just one. It's, I ain't making. I, I ain't making a habit of this. I'm not stepping down from my Stevie Wonder hot take or my Kendrick Lamar. You don't have this to, one. Please don't say anything this else one. About this that. one. This just one. I was wrong. Stick with this. <laughs> one. But yeah, man. I mean, listen. There was no social media when Michael Jordan was around. There, like, you had to record his games on a VHS tape. Like mm-hmm. there was, I don't think. I think when he came back, I don't even think TiVo was like in thirty percent of households, and Wizards games weren't always on like that. And even then, it was just like it was. He was a wizard. It was completely different Jordan. Even though he's still like pinning shots on the glass, but an average of twenty six yep. a game, it's that still was the Jordan that I grew up watching. So people didn't get a chance to see that. And then finally, in this documentary, you got to see a lot of this shit because what do people remember? They look at Jordan, they think six rings, they think stats, but they didn't see this shit. They didn't see his rookie season. They didn't see his second, his sophomore season, him getting hurt in the third game, coming back at the end of the year, being on a minutes restriction, 14 minutes a game, and getting himself into game shape to play the Boston Celtics, who are one of the greatest teams of all time. And people were like, he was playing with midgets. The Celtics had three seven-footers up front. Three. Two of them are Hall of Famers. This is nuts. And Bird. And he went out there and shelled them for, what, 49 in game one? The first game his, his minutes restriction was, was lifted. 49 and then 63, both in the garden where the Celtics went 40 and one on the regular season. 40 and one. That's insane. They lost one game in the garden. And the Bulls did win because, truly, Jordan was playing with garbage. 
<laughs> that well, seemed, a bunch of a bunch of people doing coke. It seems like which after was, the, after the story, which was hilarious. But he was playing with nothing. He was getting double teamed, triple teamed, and not to mention he didn't hit a single three pointer in the sixty three point game. This was all from that's insane. He was twenty two from forty one from the field in that game. He wasn't a great three point shooter though. No, nah, he so he rarely took them except when he lit up the Blazers for six in the first half. And then shrugged his shoulders like, shit, I don't know what's going on either. I'm just that good. <laughs> but I can guarantee, like, if Jordan played today, he'd probably shoot a ton of threes. And, like, we're talking about a physical NBA. So, like, this documentary is just the first two parts. One, we'll talk about the production. I thought it was pretty good. I still think the the elite-level uh, ESPN documentary was the OJ documentary. Like, that was, like, the greatest one of the greatest things I've ever seen in a documentary on television. But this was pretty yeah. damn good thus far. It's only two parts. But this is pretty good. Now, I, I think the OJ one, it's weird because it is a documentary, but it, it played so much different. Like, the tone was so much different. You know, it, it's like it's it's like comparing The Dark Knight to Avengers. Endgame. Like, it, they're both comic book movies, but they're so different. That's fair. And they're both great, but it, it just feels so different. Like, the tone of that one was so different than this MJ one. Yeah, I think a lot of, it, it, I think a lot of that has to do with um the approach to the documentary where a vast majority wasn't told through narration. Like it was it was told through like I mean the the way they handled that documentary, it was a darker tone of course, but all of this footage that they had was incredible. This there was some humor in there, like the crowd stories, like this is different. This is different. I just thought that was like that that OJ documentary was like unbelievable. But yeah, you're right. It's not yeah, even fair the, to compare the two. The music in this is incredible, though. Even though Jordan hadn't heard none of it. Have you ever heard no. the, the Jordan Rakim story? No. <laughs> so no. he he did, um he was with Stretch Armstrong, I believe. And Stretch Armstrong was talking about uh, Eric B. and Rakim's I Ain't No Joke. And Michael Jordan was like, what's that? And Bobby was like, what? You never heard of this? And he's like, and Jordan asked, is that hard rap? It's like yo, yo. <laughs> never heard of him. Never, never heard of him. Is that hard rap? That's <laughs> was hard rap. Oh man, listen, I'm never gonna say that Jordan wasn't a cornball brother, but it's all right, man. Some people don't like rap. Obviously, he wasn't doing shit. He wasn't going to clubs. <laughs> he was chilling in his crib, cleaning all day, and working on his jump shot. I, I don't know what music Jordan did listen to. Maybe he was a hairband fan. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he liked grunge and shit, like, towards later. And I, I picture Jordan doing nothing but gambling and playing ball. And banging white hoes. <laughs> he, he did have a, an affinity. Yeah. Um. No, yeah, I mean, it, it's funny that you say that because when they was like, Jordan was like, yo, I think I might stay in college for my senior year. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, it's like no, I know why athletes stay in college that extra year. It's just it's easy pickings, but no, yeah. So the the tone of the documentary was fun. It was uplifting. Uh, the music fits perfectly for the era. Just that that sequence you were talking about with the Boston Celtics with Jordan just crushing them, and LL playing. It was just man, it was so well done. It was hype. It makes you want more, and we'll get more for the next four weekends. So that was. That was really dope. Now, 
here comes some of the controversy, Drake. Because, you know, Twitter provides a lot of the commentary. We watch this together, for better or worse. For <laughs> I'm not, not going to go to the deep end yet. The funny parts of Twitter, Pippin's contract. Yeah. This man signed for seven years, 18 mil. In retrospect, Gilbert Arenas has quadrupled this man's salary. That particular one, yeah. Yeah. The second one. Mm-hmm. Not not since because his Larsa, I don't even know if they're together. The future give Larsa back? I don't know. Not, nonetheless. Um, Larsa's like, oh, he made 100 mil in his career. I was like, yeah, because the Blazers gave him a horrible contract. The Rockets did too. <laughs> a lot of people paid him money. He probably shouldn't have gotten. The Bulls are not one of those franchises. No. Pippen was done dirty, and a lot of this focused, especially episode two, focused on Pippen and his relationship and him just tearing Krauss to shreds. I found that to be almost, if not better, than the Jordan portions, because we know the Jordan portions. This was amazing. I had no clue Pippen was 122nd ranked in salary in the NBA. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple things here. First of all, this is Scottie Pippen's fucking fault. And is well, not even his. Uh, <laughs> it's his agent's fault. It's his fault. agent's fault. But you have to blame Scottie as well because Scottie, if if you follow the thread with his father having a stroke, with you know family members in wheelchairs, brother in a wheelchair. Um, who was paralyzed and you know he came from a family of what they had like eight kids um Sally looked for stability and he sought a seven year deal because it guaranteed money would mean no matter what if he got hurt he'd still make a couple million a year right so that's what he wanted and the league had not been the commodity that it, it became shortly after which kind of is crazy because it came in large part because of the Bulls. The, the league became this monolith of money. But prior to that, Jordan's contract wasn't that big either. He was making $2 million a year. So when you put it in perspective, like a lot of people don't know how to put things in perspective. The league wasn't shelling out money, $100 million contracts like it was today. Like I taught, said in our group chat, Juwan Howard was the first player in the NBA to make $100 million, have a $100 million guaranteed contract. He made $106 million. What? Yes, Juwan fucking Howard. Ugh. Also, remember, Juwan Howard was a beast at one point. In college, I don't know about ever yeah, in, in the, the league, he was good. He was a great power forward. He was. Juwan Howard was really damn good. And they thought he'd get If Juwan Howard has more than one all-star game, I'd be shocked. Ju- so Ju- and I'm looking it up. Juwan, he played, it was a, if I remember correctly, it was a seven-year deal for $106 million, if I, if, if I remember correctly. But he's the first $100 million salary contract NBA player. And that was to lock him in because he was young. The mo- Prior to that, the money just really wasn't there like that for everyone like it is now. Now everybody's getting just fat-ass contracts. Like Everybody. If you say, Super max, regular max. That's what I'm saying. Like Even in baseball, like if you would have told somebody in 1988 that there would be a $400 million contract, they would have spit in your face. Get the fuck out. That's not going to happen, but it did. Because <laughs> the, the, the contracts change. You have CBAs. You have players associated. Like, all these things change. So this is really Scotty's fault. And I'm not mad at him for making that decision. 
because he wants stability. But you can't be mad at Jerry Krause for them telling you this is not a good deal, Scotty. They told him that. Don't sign this contract. And he felt like they were trying to hoodwink him. That's what they don't really tell you. He thought they were trying to hoodwink him out of money. Oh, you don't want to keep me that long for that much money. No, I want this. So he got it. And when he got it, the league changed. And everybody started making money. What's wrong is that, I mean, what's kind of like fucked up about that is that he was key in changing the league. Him and Jordan. Yeah, but dude. And everyone else got paid off of them changing the league. You, it's like, and the dream team. You, which he's part of. You signed the contract. You. Because your agent got you the deal. You signed the contract. That's your fault. That's, that's on you. Now, you could be Cold mad day. about all these things about being underpaid. There's also a false narrative. Because we have to remember. Because Michael Jordan had creative control over this documentary as well. So, this is like a WWE documentary. For better or worse. True. And there's this false narrative that Scottie Pippen was the second best player in the league. He absolutely was not. No. <laughs> they got to no, stop. No, I mean, they just... Listen, Elijah Wan got drafted next to Jordan. We and, and no one blinks an eye. Portland had the worst draft pick of all time. Well, yeah, Sam Bowie. I mean, listen, man. Yeah, that's, that's worse than Ryan Leaf over Peyton Manning. And, but you ultimately have to understand where Portland was even coming from at that time. Like, Portland made a worse decision with Greg Oden. Than they did with Sam Bowie, because Portland Ooh, had Odin. they they did it again. Yeah, that, it's only worse because you did it again. Well, not be, just because they did it again is because they didn't need a center as much as they needed a tall shooter. They needed somebody like Kevin Durant, but Greg Oden was so good at Ohio State. And remember, he he had broke his wrist that year and was shooting free throws left handed for like the left handed. Yeah, so Kills everybody looked at him, but for everybody forgot. Like this dude is old as shit in the face, and his knees. Who would have thought Mike Conley would have been the better of the draft picks yeah. from Ohio State? So, but in Portland, since they had Clyde Drexler, a Hall of Famer at two guard, and Terry Porter, like that was their guards. So they didn't really need Jordan. They couldn't really play him. That's kind of like, yes, everybody talks about Darko getting drafted by the Pistons, but Carmelo wasn't going to do anything in Detroit. Because he wasn't going to play, mm. they weren't going to play I mean, him as Carmelo a rookie. Would have cracked Tayshon, but they, no, he wouldn't have. In Larry Brown's offense back then, veterans only. He never played rookies. He let them develop and come off the bench, but that was never what Carmelo was supposed to be. So they invested in the future, which they thought Darko was for the European players, because everybody saw what Dirk Nowitzki had become, and it was like, oh shit, bad decision. But it was just a bad fit at the time. Sam Bowie was the right fit for Portland. Just didn't pan out to be a even remotely decent player, whereas Michael Jordan became the greatest player of all time. <laughs> so it was like but even then, people aren't mad that Elijah went to Houston. The the championships help. I mean, you can't. I mean, Hakeem Elijah one's one of the greatest centers of all time, and with it with five slam like that that lineup that that Houston lineup that like what Elijah one was doing to people like everybody. You got to remember. He oh, like this was this is the other thing that people forget. Like people talk about the NBA now versus then. The NBA back then was all about big men. That's it. Yeah. Like even Larry I mean, Bird was like six much. nine. Yeah. Like these guys were oh, yeah. Magic, Larry, Kareem, Bill Walton, Chamberlain. Like if you go back all these years, very few guards were relegated as like the best players in the league back then. You had to be tall yeah. as fuck. So it makes. I mean, Drexler was one of them. Yeah, like it, as far as like shorter guards, and that's what I'm saying. And so if you're the if you're the Blazers and you look at Michael Jordan, it's like having Tom Brady as your quarterback and having the number one pick for some fucking reason, and then drafting another quarterback. It's like that's not your need. So I get it. 
I get why Portland didn't do it. It just it just blew up in their face horribly. Cause yeah. dude, it just exploded. But Pippen was not the number two guy in the league. Like Mitch Richmond had some fantastic he, years. There was he just, wasn't hundred and twenty two. No, Mitch Richmond that run TMC was just incredible, dude. He, but again, they were all small guys, and people were like, "What? This is not gonna work." Yeah, so, but it's like the hundred twenty second salary. But it's just your own fucking fault. It's like when you have baseballs on, when you have NBA players on rookie contracts, and they like blow up their first year, and you're like, "He's only getting paid what?" Yeah, you get a chance to re up. That's why the, yeah. the the rookie contracts have a maximum on them. Like you get a chance to re up. This was just a different time in the league. Scotty, Scotty could be as pissed as he wants. And the funny joke is. Everybody, you know, no tipping Pippin is like a, a joke. But I know, <laughs> like, my mother was a cocktail waitress at the Riviera Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. And Scottie Pippen and Emmett Smith always went to the Riviera. And my mom said Scottie Pippen was by far the worst tipper ever. Like, he just wouldn't do it. No tipping Pippin. And now I get why. Because you were getting not getting, making a whole lot of money. But then he yeah, cleaned house. Four taxes. Dog, didn't he get, I think his, uh, his, uh. His Houston and Portland contracts were somewhere in the neighborhood of like eleven million and like fourteen million, more than like his seven year deal, which is like nuts. oh yeah, endorsements had to have been carrying him. Yeah, like dude, in the kicks. I just I thought it was a funny narrative, and it's like I think the the bigger narrative is that Jerry Krause was just so ready to blow up that team and start over because he he overprojected the demise of the Bulls without the Bulls actually having their demise. What he saw was oh yeah. Because like, Bulls win in 99. With the strike, they yeah. win in 99. Well, the, the other issue is, and like it's not really talked about, it, and I kind of wish Jerry Krause was here to talk about it. Though, uh, there were so many expiring contracts that year, and they were all older players. They were gonna ask, like Scottie Pippen was going to ask for the farm. So imagine yeah. being the Bulls' front office. And yes, you pay him what you can pay him. Like, you pay him everything. Imagine being the Bulls' front office. Jordan just gouged your ass for 30-something million for one year. And here comes Scottie Pippen, mad as hell, off of, make, off of seven years, $18 million. And he comes in talking about, I'd like $27 million, please. What? And then you got Dennis Rodman. You got Ron Hartman. Like, everybody's going to ask for a ton of money. So I get why the mentality behind, like, this is probably the last dance. Because we can't afford to pay all you motherfuckers. That's, there was a lot of money that was going to come out. But... Yeah. You don't say that shit. Shut the fuck up. Let the season play out. <laughs> Win. Yeah, you don't say it before the season. No, because then the city of Chicago is going to want your head because they don't care about contracts, none of that shit. They just want to win. And that team was going to win. And, yes, in that strike-shortened season, everybody got to remember, why did the strike-shortened season happen? Money. Contracts. Mm-hmm. Players not satisfied. CBA. All that shit. We had a lockout season. But you're right. They would have won. But, dog, Kraus wasn't – he yeah. wasn't completely wrong in that mentality because, dude – I would have hated All thing you had to do was keep two. Yeah, I would have. You had to keep Pippen and Jordan for 99, and you fill in the rest. Dark. And you, like, literally, they would have been pulling players off the street. Like, you want to play? Because all the money would have went to those two. I mean, Robinson and a fresh Tim Duncan won the chip over the Knicks, who Jordan owned. Yeah. And the Knicks should have won. And Knicks fans, it still breaks their heart. You ain't missing that. Nah, you wasn't going to win that anyway. Who cares? That was a spoiler. That, <laughs> Keeping John Starks in the game. Yeah, dog. You, well, no, they had it. They, it was right there. You saw, it was at the rim. You talking about the Oh, well, yeah. I mean, listen, man. Knicks have made bad decisions their whole lives. John Starks shooting like three for a thousand in, against the Rockets. 
missed finger rolls by Patrick Ewing. Like, the shit is, it's almost a yeah, joke. Yeah, they've been cursed forever. So, Knicks fans, they would expect, I mean, but when they made it in 99 as well, and you go into it, it's like, okay, this is finally our year. And to get smacked, like, they would have never made it in 99. <laughs> no. They, they would have choked against the Bulls, just like they did with the finger roll, you know, with John Stark. They would have choked the same way. Yeah. Yeah, that they, 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 it was gonna be it was gonna be tough. But again, like people hate on Jerry Krause. Like, yeah, I get it, man. Like he 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 had a Napoleon complex. He was a little man that had a bunch of big black dudes telling him what to do, and he was like, I got all the money, but you don't have a team without these guys. You you're not Jerry Krause without Michael Jordan. Like, yeah, and he up. thought he was. Yeah, that's the he thought Jordan. He yeah, he thought Jordan wasn't Jordan without Jerry Krause. Yeah, no. Jordan was the best, which I guess leads us into the next question where immediately, as this documentary is airing, listen, guys, LeBron James is going to get his own documentary, okay? It's going to happen. <laughs> and we're going to enjoy it, and we're going to talk about how great LeBron was. But this was not your night to go out here on your fucking limb and say that LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. It just ain't your day. Relax. <laughs> it ain't. They couldn't hold it in, though, Dre. They couldn't. Hold it in. Dude. Shout out to Cuss the Legend. (laughs) (laughs) Whose comment section is more entertaining than his actual Twitter. Dude. Because he's complimenting Jordan throughout this documentary. And he's like, man, this guy is so incredible. He's he's the second best player I've ever seen. And (laughs) yo, when he tweeted that shit, people let him have it. Because he's deep in the gimmick, right? Like, you can't back down. No. But he's not the only one. No. And I, I really like LeBron. Um, it pained me, and it pains me, to say that, yes, LeBron is better than Magic. For a long time, I thought Magic was better than Jordan. The career just doesn't match. Um, And Jordan just did some, but Magic's not far off. Magic and Jordan were 1A and 1B for me for a long time. Don't forget Bird and before then he hurt his back. Yeah, it's just yeah, Bird <laughs> hurting his back doing what yard work for his mom. Yeah, man, I can't. So crazy. That's crazy. Wild. Um, but when you look at that and the disrespect for Larry Bird, is a whole different level. Yeah. By the way, people need to put some respect on Larry Legend's name. Hey, They're pointing at him like, look who Jordan was doing this against, putting up sixty against. I was like, excuse me. Yeah. Doug. I was like, I was like, what? Like, do you do you not see one of the ten best players of all time right there guarding him? Like, it, that that pays me more than anything. But the LeBron thing, it's like, it's okay to be second best, and I'll, I'll give him that. For he he is amazing at what he does. There's certain aspects. He's a better passer than Michael Jordan. He does some things better than Michael Jordan, but he doesn't win as well. And sooner or later, the wins do count for something. Are they the end-all, be-all? No. I hate that argument. People like, Jordan was 6-for-6 six six in the finals. Who cares? He lost a lot of times when he wasn't in the final. He gets to finals every year in his career. He lost. Someone may come along that's better than Michael Jordan. I hate that argument. People act like no one will ever beat. You can go 8-for-9. If LeBron went 8-for-9 in NBA finals instead of, what is he, 3-for-9? He'd be better than Jordan. It didn't happen. But if the next person goes eight for nine, they're with the stats of LeBron and Jordan or Kobe, yeah, they're better than Jordan. 
Yeah. It just hasn't happened yet. No. I, listen, man. I loved I loved Michael Jordan so much as a kid. I started to hate him. <laughs> like it's, it was the, it was the weirdest. <laughs> a lot of people done that. Dog, it was the weirdest heel turn in the weird world for me. Like as a kid, Michael Jordan. Like my dad watched the Showtime Lakers. Even though he was a Knicks fan, he was big on Magic. So as a kid, I watched Magic and the Celtics. Like I like I was a kid, like a baby. So I hardly I couldn't really didn't really know what I was watching. Even Jordan's rookie year, I was just like, this guy's amazing. But I was such a fucking child. I it wasn't like I was first grade kindergarten I don't know I was young as shit but as I don't even think you were that I mean I was I wasn't even born for three more years yeah so when I started really watching basketball was when the Pistons were beating the shit out of the Bulls and I think it was like nine eight maybe um something like that sounds about right yeah sounds more right than the other estimate yeah so I started recognizing what I was watching and one, I was just like, man, this is what basketball is like? I'm never playing this shit. I need pads. Because they would just pummel him. But then it was like I'd watch him, and I started recognizing the game. And, like, video games helped me out a lot. Like, video games yeah. got me in tune they with like, sports. A ton. So I started watching Jordan, and I was like, okay. I, then I wanted him to win. I was like, oh, damn, I want you to beat the Pistons. This little fucker Isaiah Thomas. Another person who doesn't get the respect he deserves. Isaiah Thomas yeah, is amazing. Yeah, God, I hated Isaiah Thomas. Until, like, three years ago, I hated Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> But like <laughs> I don't know why you just so dislike. I wanted Jordan to win so bad. Then he won. He beat the Lakers. And I was like, oh my god! I was I was so it was the passing of the torch. Then he won again. I was like, yeah. Then he won again, and I was like, all right, that's enough. Like this is too much for me because I've always been like the guy who likes the underdog. And Jordan was the underdog, and then he just started winning. Then he went and played for the White Sox, my favorite team, the minor leagues, Birmingham Barons. Stunk it up, and then ended up coming back after eighteen months. And by that time, with Jordan being gone, I became a big Orlando Magic fan because of Penny and Shaq. So when the Bulls played the Magic, I was rooting for Penny and Shaq. I was like, hey, Jordan, you left. You can't come back. So I started disliking Jordan. And who got them out of the playoffs? Penny and Shaq. And then what did Jordan do the next year? Came back and beat the shit out of the Magic. Dogged them. Swept them. Four beat games. The hell out of them. Yep. Beat the hell out of them. Ended the dynasty. Yeah, so sent, sent Shaq to LA. Yo, Shaq said, fuck this. I'm not playing the same conferences as this guy. I'm out of here. And then left. But I say it to say this. I hated Michael Jordan because he was so good. Because what I was watching was like, this is just this is not fair. There was no person I'd ever seen. And Kobe's the only, the only other person who had been this. Not LeBron. Kobe. They When you get the ball in his hands with, with in the clutch and Reggie Miller. It's fucking over. You just like fuck it. It's I'm we're it's done. Like the Bulls would be down eleven. I remember the Bulls were playing the Knicks, and I hated the Knicks, but I was just like, could somebody beat Michael Jordan, please? Bulls were down like eleven <laughs> with like three minutes left. And Michael Jordan licks his fingers and says, Give me the ball. And I remember looking at one of my boys like, it's over. Like there's turn the game off. He's about to kill this shit. And what does he do? He scored like nine straight points, had like two steals, and clamped down on I can't remember who is guarding that day. He just was guarding everybody. And I was just like, this is unbelievable. So, in the LeBron conversation, listen, LeBron is fantastic. But there's a lot of LeBron that has to do with his physical attributes in terms of his size. He moves like yeah. a, It's unbelievable how he moves. But he uses a lot of that and he still plays like a guard. Jordan was undersized in the big man's league. Didn't chuck three-pointers. Got to the rim at will. Developed a fadeaway jump, jumper. Had a phenomenal postgame for a guard. Won the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year award and the scoring title in the same season. That's like 
We'll never see that again. It's like, dude, who is doing no this? Kawhi might be the closest we'll ever get to dude, that. Dude, NBA championship, MVP, like all defensive player of the year, all NBA first team. I think it was also MVP that, that season too. Played 82 games, like, by dude, the way. Didn't miss a game. You know what? There was, there was no no resting or what? Load management? There's no such None thing. Shit. Because as you see how pissed off Michael Jordan was when he was hurt and they were like, you can only play 14 minutes a game. And that motherfucker was like, I'm playing the game. Fuck you. Like <laughs> the game. I'm playing what? I'm playing the there game. There was there was nobody like Michael Jordan. And it it's part of his attributes, his physical attributes, his athleticism, which was out of this world. Like people talk about the dunk contest and stuff like that. Look, the dunk contest evolved because it had to evolve because Michael Jordan killed it for so long. If Michael Jordan was a the Michael Jordan athlete then in two thousand, him and Vince Carter would have had a fucking dunk contest. Because Jordan oh, yeah. Jordan just never hit the ground. Like, if you watch those acrobatic layups, it was like, he gets, it's like he's making contact in the air, readjusting his shot, and it's like an and one every time. He's not going to the line 30 times a game like James Harden. He's getting beat up and putting the ball in the hole. Like, anybody who watches this documentary and jumps out of their face to say LeBron's better and hasn't seen the whole documentary yet, I just suggest that you go watch Michael Jordan killing people. Because that's what he did. Like LeBron didn't he he doesn't he do, he never he has he doesn't have that gear. We saw that against the Mavericks. With the he heat. has that gear now, but he, but he slowed physically. Yeah, which was like he hit that prime gear in that Golden State series, the one that they lost, where Kyrie got hurt and Kevin Love got hurt, and he had to carry him, and he carried him to six games and lost. That was when he developed that gear. Jordan developed that gear at 18. Yeah, like Jordan came out of... Like, he hit the game-winning shot in a championship game in college. Yeah. <laughs> like, come LeBron on, LeBron developed man. that shit at 29. Granted, 29 is super young. But, I mean, LeBron hit that. He had to lose a ton in, you know, big moments in Cleveland, go to Miami, lose in the biggest moment in Miami, then learn how to win, lose in the last year in Miami, go back to Cleveland, then he developed that. Yeah, like, but he had no crutch anymore. The other key to this, and, and I know it doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but Michael Jordan stayed in Chicago. I don't care, but yeah, no, no, you no. like that more than it I, should. I'm gonna. Matter. This is why. This is why I say this. Michael Jordan was getting his ass kicked in Detroit, getting sent home. Had to tell Scottie Pippen, "Listen, man, beef up, motherfucker," because they beating you up. Because they were really punking out Scottie Pippen. But Michael Jordan never wanted to leave. He never felt like he needed a better situation. He never felt like he needed to join a super team. He never mentioned that. Winning and losing was always on him. Didn't matter. Like he 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 wanted he willed other players to get better, but it wasn't like you better get me this or I'm leaving. Like it didn't happen. I listen. I get it. Free agency changed the game. You can go play where you want to play, but you can't really say that LeBron James needed like he needed to leave Cleveland, but not the same type of need. Like, it wasn't like he was getting destroyed in Cleveland as a bottom yeah. team. He went to the finals. Going to college and playing an NCAA tournament would have helped him a ton. Yeah. So, Not that he, he was too good for college, but it would have taught him that much earlier. Like, that urgency. Like, Michael Jordan played with Scottie Pippen, who Scottie Pippen in the documentary says, I'm going to be better than Michael Jordan. Then he starts playing with Michael Jordan. He's like, well, fuck that. I guess that's out the window. <laughs> like, he's the best player in the league. LeBron teamed up. Like, I listen, I love his relationship with Dwayne Wade. But Dwayne Wade already had a ring. I can't see Michael Jordan going anywhere 
saying, well, you got a ring before me. I'm going to play with you so I can get one too. No. Michael Jordan was like, I'm going to win a ring. Are you here? Either you ride with me or you're not. I hate that logic, though, because that's like me saying like, oh, yeah, Andreas Hale's an established journalist. I'm not going to join a podcast with no, him. No, no, that's different. Because he already is established. We're, like, not, no, we're like, not in competition. Jordan was playing to kill the people he I was mean, playing to. I mean, technically, against. right now we're competing. Well, I'm just saying. Like, my, I get what you're yeah, saying. It's, like, we're, it's, 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 there has to be something to be said about Jordan taking his lumps, not crying about it, and then finally breaking through and winning because it means a lot more. There is a lot more significance, whereas I give LeBron credit, but it's really hard when you like, you already joined an NBA champion. It's really like, I, I think Kevin Durant's great, but joining the Warriors was a pussy move, and I, I'll stand by that till the day I die. You you were <laughs> a game away from beating them. A game. Yeah. And then you joined them? Michael Jordan would, like, I think Michael Jordan probably puked when he saw that. I think a lot of people would puke. I think Isaiah Thomas would have done the same thing. Magic Johnson. Probably, he also joined a team that won what seventy two games. That's what I'm saying. Like seventy three games. It's the, it, that's crazy. It doesn't feel earned in that respect. Whereas Michael Jordan, it, it felt earned with him. Like when he won the, the ring, it was like finally, like he broke through. This is not. Yeah, to take, but people act like LeBron joined Miami when they were a fucking juggernaut. No, but like, I'm just saying Miami was damn near. They were a lottery team. They were, but then he joined with. He had another All Star come with him. Like this was a Chris Bosh? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I like Chris Bosh a lot. He I wasn't all he's a beast. But he took a lesser role, so it's not like he got Toronto Chris Bosh. Not we had you know, to. due to skill, but due to usage. You you had you had two players who were arguably top five in the league. In LeBron and Dwayne Wade. Oh yeah, definitely at that time. Oh yeah. And I, I know, like I don't want to penalize him for this, but in the joint conversations, to me it does. LeBron joined Dwayne's team. Dwayne didn't join LeBron's team. Kevin Durant joined the Warriors. The Warriors didn't join Kevin Durant. When you you he sought out a winning situation. That's what happened. And he fucking lost. <laughs> like that was the, the killer to me is that he was the reason they lost to the Mavericks. LeBron choked. Yeah. He choked. Yeah. You put him, JJ Barea just fucking crushed no, his soul. You put like LeBron put himself in the best position possible to win, and he lost. And in losing was his greatest lesson, because the way he handled free agency and everything else, like all that stuff, made him a better player. So I give him all the credit in the world. It was a learning lesson, ultimately. Yep. And I and personally, I think LeBron is the second best player of all time. I put him ahead of Kobe. Sorry if that pisses a lot of you guys off. I think Kobe's top five. I think Kareem yeah. is actually ahead of Kobe. But I'm not even sure if Kareem if Kobe's top five ever. That, I mean I still put Magic above Kobe. Yeah, I mean it's fair. You know, there's, there's, that's tough. There's a lot of He's guys. top ten. LeBron, but it, right? Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I think LeBron what LeBron has done for the, the longevity, I think everything is phenomenal. I just think like people forget they look at the six and oh and the six rings and six MVPs and the stats, and that's cool. But you gotta watch this guy play. He was a murderer. LeBron wasn't yeah. a murderer, like until just recently. Michael Jordan came in the league with a legion of Hall of Famers and a murderous row of teams. The Bad Boy Pistons, yep. the Showtime Lakers, the, the one of the great... Celtics. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And he went in here and he's like, I'm going to hang 63 on you. And then mad when he lost. What are you mad? You were 80. You had no business being like winning that, a game in that series. Philly was still dirty, too. They had Barkley and... 
Philly was dope back then. God, it was, all these teams, like the Blazers were dope. Like all these teams. Houston. Yeah. They, they, like, but Michael came in there. Oh, the Sonics were really good too. Didn't he beat the Sonics yeah, in the final? he beat the Gary. The GP. Like the, the, the Gary Payton, Sean Kemp. Like we talk about defense. Gary Payton played defense. <sighs> My boy Def left shrimp. Dude. Lighting it up from three. When people tried to discredit the, the league that Michael Jordan played in, it was a league of giants, and he was a small man amongst giants, leading the league in scoring every single year. Yeah. I mean, the giants weren't going to outscore him necessarily. I'm just, but I mean. I feel like you're somewhat limited. Well, it's not like he shot threes, though, so I guess. That's what I'm saying. Like, he did this from mid-range. He was doing this from mid-range. His mid-range game was unbelievable. And in the post, and then he played defense. Like the, yeah, I, there was never a time that Michael Jordan was like, "I'm not deeing him up tonight." He saw somebody like if somebody was going off, like watch the Portland series when Terry Porter starts going off. Jordan looks and he's like, "I got him." Fuck that. <laughs> Over. Yeah, like clamps. There is no such thing as taking a playoff with Michael Jordan. Like we talk about LeBron not playing defense now. Now he started to play defense again a little bit more in LA. And there was a time that LeBron was great to like chase down blocks and all that shit. But he was never like an elite defender. He was great at on ball. He's a really good off. Yeah, he was a fantastic. He invaded passing lanes like nobody's business at yeah. one point in his career. But Michael Jordan on the ball was a nightmare. There's yeah. there's a great part an animal in that documentary when they talk about the Celtics switching off on Michael Jordan and they show Bill Walton's face when he realizes he has to defend Michael Jordan and he's like fuck. <laughs> and you're but you're winning the game, but you have to defend yeah. this man. A sophomore, like that's crazy. Embarrassment still real. <laughs> he might just embarrass that crossover he put on Bird was dirty. Uh, he, he was just man. He's the greatest player of all time, and I just it's it's sad that some people aren't going to take the blinders off to see what he is because the stats back it up. But then you have to watch him, and it's like when you yeah. watch him, and then you're like, oh, and they're like, who who is he playing? Hall of Famers. Watching him is equally as impressive as watching LeBron. It's not like you watch LeBron and be like, yo, he's leaps and bounds more impressive than Jordan. No. Like, no. Like, Jordan was equally as impressive. Dude, you watch, if, when you watch Jordan go to the rack, like, there were hand checks in the league. There, the, You didn't have that fucking circle for the charge. Like, you didn't have that shit. It was, it, defense was like, there weren't flagrants. Like, dude, just, like, Glenn Beard just took people's heads off. And Oakley. Yeah. Like, they just beat people up. That was that was. You also could play. You could only play man to man though. The zone might have helped a little bit against Jordan. Definitely takes away some of that mid range. Yeah, but he just would have got. He still would have found a way to the rack. He would have just trapped his ass all the time. He he would have had at least three more assists a game. Yeah, it's just he was. No, he was a problem. He was. Yeah. He was a problem. He would have been like twenty eight nine and seven. Yeah, he probably still averaged thirty. Like, like that's the other thing that people also forget. Jordan was averaging between twenty eight and thirty points a game. When teams were not scoring 100 points a game. Yo, the final scores are like 86, <laughs> 82. I was like, and he, he averaged like 35 one season. That's what I'm saying. He, and the final scores at high is like 90. He accounted for over 35% of his team scoring. Like James Harden That's scores bonkers. a ton of points, but Houston scores a ton of points. The Bulls teams were yeah. not the league leaders in scoring. The games ended with a grand total of like maybe a, the over unders for those games were like one fifty, <laughs> like teams were like eighty to Word. to seventy two. What? And Jordan had like he would have like thirty eight. That's crazy, and that's not because offenses yeah, that's were insane. inept. The game was different. 
The game is slower. Been, it was just more methodical, more passing, Princeton offense. Like, well, and, and, shit was crazy. And they loosened up the rules. They loosened yeah. up to make it more offensive. Like, if you look at the NFL now and you compare it to the NFL, like the the, the eighty five Bears and what they were doing to people. Like, you know how many oh, fucking night and day. You know how many roughing the passer calls they would have got back in the day. You know how dope Dan Marino would have been. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Dan Marino would throw for like nine thousand <laughs> yards, and people think that's, that's crazy. At least, but like at least there was no like the the, the contact off the line of scrimmage. Like all these things have changed to make the NFL more offensive. All these changes. You couldn't hit him. That's what I'm saying. What you couldn't hit him in the head, above the neck. You couldn't hit him below the waist. What? That's crazy. Dan would have been sitting pretty. So if you look at the NBA, the NBA, like all this is made for the viewer to have a better experience because everybody likes more high scoring games. Like let's be honest, the juiced baseball era is exciting because people like home runs. People don't like pitching. Yeah. People don't like defense. So the league said, you know what? No more hand checks. We're gonna put this little circle here. We're gonna do flagrants. We're gonna we're gonna do all these things to make the game more offensive. So you can't tell me that Jordan probably would have averaged like 40 points a game because he was doing this to, to teams where they were hardly scoring. If the Bulls were averaging 117 points a game, that's probably extra. Oh, he's 40, 45. That's what I'm saying. Like, come on, man. With no hand checks? In the post? Jordan would abuse people in the post. And you can only- Again, you'd have to play zone and trap him. And you'd be in like, trouble. You got to get the ball out of his hand. And then, but then he'd average 10 assists Yeah, because then Scotty was going to still light you up. And then he had Paxson yeah. and Curra in the corner shooting threes. Man, that team was a problem. It's- they would have replaced Luke Longley with another wing player and have Rodman at the five and would have been unstoppable. <laughs> I mean, they would have ran out look. Cool coach would have started. Yeah. You didn't even have to replace him. Cool coach would have been a stretch four. Yeah. You would have had Rodman at the f- five running like Draymond. If people think Draymond's good. Could you imagine Rodman and Draymond's role? He's grabbing twenty boards a game. Crazy, 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 crazy. <laughs> you got you got nothing but space for Cool Coach. Just oh Jordan, and then you go Pippen, and you put anyone at point guard. Kerr, just popping. You, you can't do anything. Four on the outside. Rodman pick and roll. The lane is huge. Unbelievable. If you put everyone on perimeter pick and roll with Jordan. Pippen rolling down the back, they scoring one one forty, one thirty every other night in this NBA. It's crazy. With the four wide, they're scoring one thirty like, pe- every night. People continue to say that the Golden State Warriors team would have beat them, and I'm I'm like the perimeter defense is too good. It, it's it, when you have Pippen and Jordan locking your best players down. It's kind of it's gonna be because who's who's defending Mike. Durant is the only key. If you could put Durant in there, Durant would then have to carry. Yeah, he has to. Cool Coach can't defend Durant. But then again, somehow you can abuse Durant. Like, I mean, if you want, if you really want, you can beat him up with Rodman. Yeah, it's just, it's wrong. And just say, Draymond beat me. It's dark. Because Rodman was wild athletic. Yeah. It's also rough because, like, you talk about those Bulls teams, like, the threes. Yeah, okay, well, Jordan was going to put a halt to all that shit. Jordan and Pippen were going to give, like, Clay. Oh, the Splash Brothers, everything they wanted. Yeah, they were going to be a problem. But that also. And Harper was kind of a dog, too. Yeah, like, he played great defense. But then you had, like, Steve Kerr. He would have shot more threes now than he did back then. He would have the green light. Oh, yeah. Like, dude. Cool coach would have shot threes. Cool, cool coach stroke was crazy. That that team, even they had Judd Booster coming off the, the bench, and he could knock down a three. 
So it's like people that be taught. It's like, man, I don't think you really watch these Bulls play. Like I watched that. I remember. Like, I watched all the games because I was a kid. I had nothing else to do. So I came yeah. on, and the Bulls were always on Showtime, NBA, on NBC. I watched them all the time. And then I watched the inside stuff to watch the highlights and shit. Dog, I've, I this I've still haven't seen a level of domination like Michael Jordan. It's just yeah. it's out of control. What's crazy, that, that team probably matches up better today than they did in the 90s. Yeah, yeah and they were playing big men. They had Luke Longley at center yeah. in a league that was dominated by big men. And they were still... And he was by far, what, like their ninth best player? <laughs> he was like one of the worst players. But they were forced to play him because of the style of the league. Yeah, they had done. You had to play him against Elijah Wands, the the Shaqs, the um, Ewings. You, you had to play him against these guys. He was a necessity. You put them in a league now where there's no dominant big men, and you put Rodman at the five? Oh, they're better now. They they win every championship this past decade, dude. Like they're that good. So yeah, that's that's insane, yo. Um, man, can't wait for these next couple of of weekends to watch it and see how that kind of comes together. Man, we talk basketball all day, so that was fun. It's our miscellaneous show, so we got to throw this in there and talk a little bit about it. Later in the week, we're coming back with combat sports, which is what we're here to talk about. We'll talk a little bit of boxing and MMA mixed in with a ton of pro wrestling. A lot to talk about this week, so we want to thank you guys for sitting here with us and listening to us. Follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore me at Cal Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. Till next week, though. We're out. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.